Welcome to WKJP News Radio, the podcast that talks about the 90s sitcom News Radio, one episode at a time. No, Kayleen, don't open that closet! Today we'll be talking about Season 2, Episode 10, entitled Xmas Story. Kayleen, I like to ask at the top, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm eating. I know. <laughs> I know. That's why I watched as you pop that in your mouth. My, my timing isn't good. Nope. Um, I'm fine. Nothing new to report. I just wish I knew what was going to happen in the next three weeks. Like, I wish I knew if school was going to close. I wish I knew if our kids are going to be exposed to COVID. Yep. I wish I knew if we're going to get sick. Yep. Like, so we're just doing what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, nothing really. Just we, to mark this point in time for future reference. Yeah. Uh, we're uh, right in the very beginning throes of the Omicron variant. And uh, the case rate looks like a vertical line for the United States right now. I mean, in our county, their cases are doubling every day. Yep. Basically. I mean, I guess I'm glad to know that we are as vaxxed, boosted, turbocharged mm-hmm. as we can be. Yep. So my prescription for my antidepressant came into the pharmacy today. I'll have to go pick that up. That's good. Yep. The timing was um, nothing short of predominant. <laughs> That's right. All right. So, Kayleen, I also like to ask at the top, what have you been watching lately? Oh, still Real Housewives. We Why? did this a week ago. Why? 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 We did this a week ago. I'm still watching Real Housewives. I don't know. I can't stop. It's like a bag of Doritos. I, I dug in head first, and now I'm in season four. Oh. I thought we could talk about what we've been watching together, which is we started watching. Oh, Station Eleven. Yeah. Well, we watched, like, what, three episodes? Yeah, that's not nothing for us. Mm-hmm. And they're long episodes. Three hour-long episodes. That's yeah, a commitment that for is. you and me. That's true. It was good. It was fine. I've read the book. You have not. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think it's doing justice to the book. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't really get what's going on, but mm-hmm. it's giving me enough breadcrumbs to, like, keep me interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The kid actor is good. Mm-hmm. That helps. I liked her. Yeah, it's, a, it's one of those rare situations where the kid actress looks like the adult actress. And you're like, oh yeah, I know exactly who that it's is. because of the eyebrows. Yeah, maybe. She's just a distinctive eyebrow on a little girl, distinctive eyebrow on an adult. Wow, it's the same girl! Well, I mean, they're also both, you know, waifish white women. Yeah, we don't have a lot of those. I wish... <laughs> I, you know, representation is important. I would like to see that more. In... I know. Waify white women. <laughs> Waify white women. Waify white women. That sounds like a... Red leather, War- yellow leather. A warm-up for Broadway actors. Anyway, I'm good. I'm not really watching anything interesting. Yeah, same here. I started watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, mm-hmm. which is an NBC sitcom about a police station. It's got Andy Sandberg as the lead character. He's a knockoff Adam Sandler. That's not nice. I'm sorry. I know. That's, that's what I think, too. And I kind of find him irritating. He's okay in this. I just kind yeah. of find him irritating. I, I don't know. I want... Another series like a superstore, like an office, like a Parks mm-hmm. and Rec, like a you know yeah, good place. There's nothing like that. Right I now. just want another one, and this mm-hmm. is the one that people talk about in comparison to those. And so I want it to be like that. It's not no. so far, but I'm only like three episodes in. Mm. Yeah. Let's get into the episode. 
We're not, uh, we... Not yet? At the very beginning, I like to ask a question. Oh, right. We added that in. Okay. Yeah. What's the question? The question for you this week is, what box set of a TV show would you like to take to a desert island with you? Six Feet Under. Really? I love that show. Well, ooh. Okay, okay the assumption here is you're never getting off the desert island, or... I mean... You can so, only watch one out, one series for the rest of your life. Sure. Well, then I feel like I need something longer. Yeah. Because, I mean, Breaking Bad is the greatest series of all time. Breaking Bad has everything. But I don't know that I would take that with me. Because you want something that's going to make you feel all the feelings. Like, it should be funny. It should exactly. be... Like, yep. like, I couldn't just do The Office because there's not enough there for me. There's no, there's no thrills. There's no chills. <laughs> there's laughs. There's romance. Spills. There's some spills. <laughs> There's no spooks. No. That's what my first thought was, Six Feet Under, because it feels like a very rich show. I just really enjoyed. Mm. I watched, I've watched. i watched the entire series twice, mm-hmm. and both times, my God, I sobbed at the end. Like, I've never cried like that at the end of a show like I did with Six Feet Under. So that's my first, that's like my very first instinct is to say that, but I yeah. think there's, what, five seasons, six seasons? I think that's right, yeah. Honestly, my other thought is something like Seinfeld, but maybe that's just because I've been watching Seinfeld. Yeah. And there's a lot of seasons of that. Or The Simpsons. But that's almost like, that's that's quantity over quality I think you're exactly right, yes. I mean, there's some really good stuff there. I think I would get really tired of watching animation. Yeah. I think if I could only watch one thing for the rest of my life, it's not going to be animation. It's going to be live action. Hmm. Maybe The Real Housewives. (laughs) <laughs> sometimes i just say things to see your face i don't know i'll have to think on this more but i'm going to stick with my original answer of six feet under this answer is going to irritate our friend matthew because <laughs> i know right. he's a big doctor who fan oh i feel like that would be a good choice if you were a doctor who fan i've only seen like are there a lot of seasons i've never i oh gosh i'm confession time i don't think i've ever seen a doctor who episode i've seen exactly one Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the whole thing is how long running it is, right? It started as like a radio show in the 50s or 60s. Wait, you get those too? Well, I'm assuming if you're getting the entire series of a show, you're getting everything Mm. of that show. Mm. So that's hundreds of episodes. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I would like Doctor Who. Sorry, Matthew. I don't know. Matthew, tell us when to tell us where to start in on Doctor Who. Like, what should we watch? I mean, I have a lot of friends that are fans and they're friends that I trust their judgment and their taste and everything. I just, again, it feels like one of those things that maybe I missed the boat. I feel like that too. You know, I just, it it didn't hit me at the right time in my life. And now I'm pushing 60 and you know, (laughs) in the twilight of your years, in in the twilight. I mean, I'm in the, the late autumn. Imagine if I were 60 and I had this voice. I'd have a great voice for a 60-year-old. Yeah. Mark Maron has a funny bit about how when he was a kid, he thought he just had a totally different perspective on how, you know, what it's like to be old. Mm. And so he always thought of like, can you imagine being 50 years old? It'd be all like, I'm 50 years old. (laughs) And he says, and now that I am 50, it's more like, I'm 50, what? (laughs) Yeah. I remember being younger and thinking... 40 just felt really old. But isn't it funny how, like, when you turn 20, 30 feels really old. When Mm -hmm. you turn 30, 
40 feels really old and you turn 40, 50 feels really old. I'm like, is there a point at which like do 80 year olds feel like at 90, that's what I'm going to be really old. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so I don't think I really gave you my answer. No. What's your answer? I think. I wanted you to say this. I think you say like the Sopranos. Yeah. Or The Wire. Honestly, The Wire is where I was I know, thinking about it. I know it. you like The Wire. I think it's probably the like highest quality show mm-hmm. that I could bring with me. Breaking Bad's a really good choice as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, The Wire. I don't know or... if there's enough Breaking Bad, though. There's five seasons. Yeah, but it doesn't span. It's a fantastic story, but it doesn't span a lot of time mm-hmm. in the series, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. It spans, what, two years? Yeah. And that's like a crazy two years, but like I feel like I would want something that spans a greater sense of time, maybe. Yeah. The thing uh, that's great about The Wire. Full House. Oh, my God. (laughs) So you can go with something that has a lot of seasons and a lot of material to it, or Mm -hmm. you can go with something that's really rich and dense, and I think that's probably why I would choose The Wire, is because like I've seen that series in its entirety at least three times, and every time I watch it, I do see new things in Mm -hmm. there. Like, <laughs> this is silly, but in season two, you meet all these dock workers, right? And, like, they're struggling with the oh, working yeah. at the dock. I actually remember that. Yeah. Remember you made me watch The Wire? <laughs> yeah, I do. You made me watch all of it, didn't you? Uh, I think you tuned in and out. I think I slept through some of it. Yeah, but I just now, on my third viewing notice that in season five, when this reporter is going and visiting homeless encampments, one of the dock workers from season two is homeless and living in this homeless mm. camp. Hmm. And it's just like these tiny things that, oh yeah, you have to right. watch it really closely to see. I mean, the real answer is I would pick news radio. Anyway. You would not. Oh my God. I don't know. I could do that. Five seasons. 97 episodes. Okay. Okay. As always, feel free to let us know what your answer to this question is on social media, and feel free to reach out and give us other questions, suggestions. So, to set the cultural context, we have a new number one this week. It's a new number one film at the box office. Mighty Ducks. (laughs) Mrs. Doubtfire? I keep thinking these jokes are going to get old, and they're not getting old. (laughs) No. No, that would be a fantasy kids movie labyrinth starring robin williams hook later than hook patch adams <laughs> what year is it oh jumanji jumanji oh yeah did you see that in the theater i did not no i was a little i feel like i was a little too old for it or mm. something it i don't think i saw it in the theater maybe i did I'm having a memory all of a sudden of, like, the animals, the stampede, Mm -hmm. and that being really, like, overwhelming. Yes. And so maybe, actually, I did see it in the theater. Mm -hmm. Because I think the sound even, like, it wasn't, like, birds behind you in the theater. And, like, I feel like the sound... What you're saying sounds really familiar to me, but I don't think I would have remembered it if you hadn't said it. Yeah, I feel like I remember hearing, you know, being in the theater and hearing birds behind me and then, like, a far rumbling and, like... Thing, you know. Now that's when we should watch again. I wonder if our kid would like to see that. Mm, it might yeah, be maybe. a little too stimulating for him. Yeah. I would like to see it because I would like to hear the sound design. In my memory, I'm remembering how good it feels like the sound design was because you could like hear the rhinoceros yeah. thumping around. I watched the the new one. Did you watch the new Jumanji? No, you watched it on the plane, didn't you? I know, I did. And you kind of liked it. 
I thought it was great. Oh. I was I was really pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Hmm. To be fair, I was captive on a plane, so any yeah. <laughs> entertainment is sort of sort of like when you eat trail mix and you're camping. Like all of a sudden, trail mix is like the most delicious thing in the world. Yeah. When you're trapped in a plane, anything you get to watch is like, wow. Yeah. What a great film. Yeah. But I did think it was pretty good. Hmm. The other thing about Jumanji is it's got Kirsten Dunst, right? Yeah, I don't like her. Ooh. Fighting words. What, you do? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? What? She's great. Are you kidding? No. Ugh. She has one of my all-time favorite line readings in any movie. She has the line, these are chips in the movie Wag the Dog, and she delivers that line perfectly. I've never seen that movie. It's a kind of forgettable movie, but she's, she's great in it. She's married to Jesse Plemons, who was Todd on Breaking Bad. Ugh, he has such a punchable face. He does. I mean, I know he's a Todd, great actor. I, I'm sure he is. Todd is a terrible character, so it's easy to dislike him. That's what it is. But I just feel like he has those squinty eyes. Yeah, he's really good at playing awful human beings. So I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's a very nice person. I think that would mess with your head. Yeah, I think it would too. I just yeah, there's something about her mouth I don't like. <laughs> I don't know. Something about her I don't like. Okay. I'm sure she's very nice. It's not personal. I don't know her, obviously. I'm just judgy. I just like I just like her. Yeah. I actually just heard her on Terry Gross last night. Okay. Why don't you marry her? Can I? Your hall pass. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, it's funny. We've been married and dating for that so long, and we've never had that conversation. No, we really haven't. Let's think about it and report back next week. Five people? Mm-hmm. Okay. More a tyranny. More a tyranny. <laughs> Andy Dick. Andy Dick. <laughs> you're, you're, you're welcome. I'll give you Andy Dick as a bonus And one. Joe Rogan. Hey. Should we get into the news radio episode? Fine. <laughs> Try that again. Okay. Should we get into the news radio episode? Oh my God, can we? I'm so excited. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> This is Xmas Story. It first aired December 19th, 1995. It was written by Lewis Morton and directed by Leonard R. Garner Jr. So Lewis Morton uh, was one of the two writers of Rat Funeral. Okay. One thing I'm trying to do is put together a better sense in my head of which writers wrote which episodes mm-hmm. so I can sort of get a bead on which one's... I like, or if there's any, like, through lines for, oh, this person wrote, you know, these three that are just, like, phenomenal. That's all you. Yeah. You could tell me Bing Bong Spork wrote this one, and I'd be like, oh, yeah. He doesn't start until a little bit later in season three. Bing Bong. Bing Bong Spork. Yeah. (laughs) He goes by BB professionally. (laughs) The synopsis of this episode. Mr. James buys sports cars for everyone on the staff, except for Matthew, who gets tapes. Bill thinks that the Santa Claus down in the lobby is stalking him. In the first scene, the WNYX staff is coming through the lobby and they see Santa. They all sort of like joke around with Santa a little bit. Beth tries to make change in his big bucket of coins. Well, his bucket is open. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe people were more trusting in the 90s, but they don't do that. So Bill starts joking around with Santa. And he is actually, if you notice, he's using his Troy McClure voice. 
I feel like he does that all the time. Oh, I I feel like I can hear this is oh like that's the voice he yeah, uses for Troy McClure. Sure. So he's joking around with Santa, and Santa says, "I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. I'm gonna kill you." <laughs> that was my first lol. That was good. Yeah. That was that was unexpected. <laughs> yeah. Say, can I let you in on a little Christmas secret? A Christmas secret? How very jolly! Coming, <laughs> Bill. Just a second. Come closer. I am going to kill you. <laughs> Pardon? You heard me, Bill McNeil. I'm going to murder you with my bare hands, you useless sack of human garbage. Lorenzo and Junior, the lobby security guards, are there. Um, Bill tries to report what he just heard to them, but they... Happy holiday! Yeah, that was so funny. That, was, that, that made that me laugh good. both times. Yeah. Was that we watched this was uh, the fact that Lorenzo says, Hey, are you bothering the captain? And Santa just goes, ho, 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 happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs> Something about how his answer just does not match at Great. all the question. It feels like an NPC in a video game, you know? Like, yeah, it feels like a like an animatronic Santa. <laughs> yes. It feels like, oh, okay, like you walk up to this thing and you ask it a question and it gives you just like a pat recorded Great. answer. Yes. And you're like, okay, whatever. And then uh, Matthew comes through the lobby. He starts to slip oh on the coins. Oh my God, that's stupid. And stops. And then he really does slip on the fallen coins. I know. I get what they're trying to do with the Matthew gags. Yeah. But, like, this episode in particular, I was just like, lay off, Matthew. Sure. We'll get into it. Ugh. After the credits, in the next scene, Lisa comes in with Mr. James's gift from the staff, which is a framed Jumpin' Joe Dugan jersey. Uh, Jumpin' Joe Dugan was a real Yankees player. Hmm. <laughs> he lived from 1897 to 1982, so it's plausible that Mr. James could have liked him as a kid growing up. Sure. Um, you know how he got the name Jumpin' Joe Dugan? No. Because he kept quitting teams. Oh. <laughs> so he was a quitter. Yeah, he was a quitter. He's he kept... a bad sport. <laughs> Apparently people used to, he was very sensitive, the fans in the stands used to tease him by uh, by chanting, I'm going home. Oh, <laughs> but also, like, if you're going to have a job where you play baseball in public, yeah, you're in the public eye, you're going to have to grow a thick skin. Totally. And if you show your cards and you show people how to, like, push your buttons, yes. like, it's going to happen. Anyway, I just thought that was kind of funny. I just looked that up a few minutes ago. So Mr. James gives everyone their gifts out in the hall, and they are crappy baseball caps. That was pretty funny. Yeah. I wrote that um, the hats look like a Nickelodeon lunch bunch of clothes. <laughs> they absolutely do. Yes. Yeah. I like the way that Bill gr- <laughs> grabs the gift bag and shakes it out like he's yes. expecting something else to yes. fall out of it. And he holds the hat. He's like, what is, what is this? <laughs> yeah, he looks yeah. inside. Yeah, it's really funny. I also wrote that I kind of love the hats, though. Oh, you do? I just think they're they're silly. Like, they're so bad and dumb that mm-hmm. they're, like, great. Yeah. I really liked how Beth wore hers backward. <laughs> yes, she did. Because she's a cool kid. Yeah, absolutely. Once Mr. James is back on the elevator, everyone except Dave starts to complain about the hats. Bill has kind of a funny little gag where he says, I, for one, intend to wear mine with pride, so there. Well, you've bested us once again, Dan. <laughs> gotcha! Ha <laughs> ha! And thus concludes the only enjoyment any of us will ever get out of these stupid hats. <laughs> the other line of Bill's that I liked is where he says to Dave, take off the hat, it makes you look like a 12-year-old. 
And then once he does, he wasn't that. But he's not wrong. He does look like a 12-year-old. I actually thought about looking up a picture of Dave Foley right now to see if he still looks really young. Believe it or not, it is Dave Foley's birthday today. Oh, well, happy birthday. I hope you don't listen to our podcast. (laughs) I love you, Dave Foley. I think you're great. That's nice. Mazel tov. Uh, We hope we were invited to your bar mitzvah. One thing I wanted to know is how shitty are the patches on these caps that they can be so easily ripped off oh, to see the yeah. things, to yes. see the company names below them? Things like this that, for the plot purpose, they're supposed to be iron-on. Yeah. And I understand, though, that like the, as a prop, they need to make them easily removable. Yeah. Because the actors can't struggle with them or whatever, obviously. But so easy to remove. Just felt like this is not even believable as an iron-on. Absolutely. It reminds me of how when people are given presents on TV shows, it's always just a box with a removable lid. Yes. (laughs) It's never that you have to unwrap the present unless the whole point is like, oh, you're like tearing through paper or whatever. It's always just like, oh, I gently lift the lid off this wrapped present. Even these hats were in bags with no tissues or anything in them. Mm. I don't think. I think they were literally just a hat in a bag. Hat in a bag. So Bill comes into Dave's office and tells Dave and Lisa that the Santa in the lobby wants to kill him. Uh, Beth is eavesdropping and laughs at him. And this is where we learn that Bill has had at least six either real or imaginary stalkers this year. We know about the eye patch guy from earlier in the season, but now we've also (laughs) learned that he thinks that uh, there was a pair of stalkers who were identical twins stalking him in shifts. Yeah. I just think the Bill's paranoia is pretty funny here. Uh, Again, it's definitely a boy who cries wolf situation. Right. Mr. James has broken the jersey out of the frame and is now wearing it. He walks up to them wearing this, you know, jersey from a guy who played in the 1920s. <laughs> that was my second lull. Although I did notice he actually didn't have to break it out of the frame. The second time we watched it, I noticed there was no glass in the frame. Oh, ah, I wonder if the glass like had a had a reflection that would interfere with the camera. Right. I thought that's what I assumed mm. because I noticed that you could, you know, as um, Lisa's holding it. And she moves it around. You can't see any glass. And then I was watching and you can actually see like the edge of the shirt come off of the back. Oh, huh. So, yeah, he could have just pulled it right off of the mounting yeah. thing that it was on or whatever. But the, yeah, that made me laugh when he came out wearing it. That was Nothing fits funny. better than a dead man's shirt. <laughs> Gross. It also reminds me of George Costanza when he was trying to get fired from the Yankees. Oh, right. And he, like, wipes mustard on the jersey. Yes, I forgot about that. <laughs> on Babe Ruth's jersey. Yep. Yeah. Also a Yankees player. Mm-hmm. Right? All right, so Dave tells Mr. James that everyone hates the hat. And Mr. James keeps trying to argue with it. Like, but yours says Dave. And Matthews says Matthews. And Dave's got a really funny line where he says... Yes, everyone comprehends the internal logic of the item itself. I find it hard to believe that Mr. James wouldn't understand that these are terrible gifts. Right. So all I can say is that there is an episode coming up later where Mr. James also struggles to give gifts. Okay. Um, I think part of his ongoing character is the cluelessness of what it's like not to be a rich person, even though he's supposed to have pulled himself up by his bootstraps and he was not rich as a, you know, young person. He became rich being a business guy. Sure. A macho business donkey wrestler. (laughs) He he seems to have a difficulty understanding what it's like not to be rich. But he doesn't 
He can understand quality. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean. But what confused him about the hats was that he tore the patch off and he saw, like, you know, Jimmy James Incorporated underneath. And so Dave had to explain to him, like, yeah, but what if you weren't Jimmy James? But even so, like, let's say he, in his head, he's like, I'm going to get everybody hats with their name. He's using secondhand hats that are crappy. Like, he can at least understand, like, maybe just get a new hat. Yeah. Like, you can afford a hat Mm -hmm. times six or seven, you know? Just get everyone the same hat that you were wearing in that episode where you were taking a vacation at the office. Right. That big white floppy hat. Yes. Or you think that this type of stuff, he would hire someone else, like an assistant, to be like, figure out the presence or whatever. Yep. Again, just put an asterisk on that. In the next scene, Mr. James brings everyone down to the parking garage. As they're passing through, you see that he also got hats for Lorenzo and Junior. I love the way that uh, Junior says, above average hat, sir. (laughs) (laughs) As they're walking by the Santa, the Santa leans into Bill McNeil and says, hello, future corpse, prepare to die. I know I said to you last night or the night before, it's gross and weird to think that we're all just future corpses. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a joke on the webcomic Akewood mm-hmm. where somebody wanted to give a present at a baby shower that was a onesie that said future dead person. <laughs> For a baby, that's especially bad. I know. Like, you barely started to live. But it's it's true it by that true. logic. It is true. Although, who knows, maybe your baby will be the first baby. Immortal baby. You Yeah, your baby will be the first immortal. Maybe you've got a Highlander. Okay. Uh, I like the reindeer sweater that Matthew is wearing. I noticed that, too. I thought that was actually kind of cute. It's cute. Uh, However, Mr. James is wearing the ugliest Christmas tie I think I've ever seen. Hmm, It's so ugly and busy, you can barely even tell that it's like a Christmas tie with, like, snowmen on it or something. It's really Hmm. garish. Hmm. That's it. So Mr. James tells Matthew that uh, he knows that Matthew likes old-time radio, so he got him Fibber McGee and Molly. I thought that was actually a nice gift. I thought so, too. Like, that tells me, like, hey, I remembered this thing about you. Right. And I got you this thing that matches your interests. Right. Like, I thought he was, because he pulled it out of his car, and I thought he was going to, like, pull individual presents for everybody. Yeah. And he only did for Matthew. Yep. Do you know anything about Fibber, McGee, and Molly? No. Had you ever heard that before? No. This episode? No. So my mom used to use the phrase Fibber, McGee if she caught us telling a lie. Oh, okay. She, you know, I would be like, yeah, I, I brushed my teeth. All right, Fibber McGee. Oh, my dad used to call us a fibber. Yeah. But I don't think that was related to this. Yeah. Yeah, I just looked up a little bit about Fibber McGee and Molly. Apparently it ran on radio for like 20, 25 years. It was mm. a staple. It was Jim and Marion Jordan, this kind of husband and wife team who did Fibber McGee and Molly. Jim Jordan later voiced Orville the Albatross in The Rescuers. Okay. Just thought maybe you'd like to know that. Just a a little fun fact. Well, that just took one of my trivia questions away. Thanks, Jordan. I'm sorry. I'm joking. (laughs) Anyway, so Mr. James got all these tapes from Matthew, and then he got everybody else a Miata. Yeah, what a dick move. (laughs) Well, I also wrote, like, how can they feel okay accepting a car? Yeah. Like... I don't think there is anyone, I, I don't, I wouldn't ever want anyone to buy me a car that just feels too much. And 
Especially your boss and... Yeah, it's the Midwesterner in me that's just, like, uncomfortable with getting gifts, period, or something. Especially... Such an extravagant Or maybe it's the grown-up in me that's, like... That's got to be expensive insurance. Yeah. Like, the first thing I thought of, actually, was when Oprah did her car giveaway, Mm -hmm. and lots of people actually ended up losing their cars because... Or they ended up selling their cars because they were like, I can't afford the insurance on a brand new fancy car. Yeah. Which is not unreasonable. No, not at all. You know? But at the same time, you would think that if you were the giver in that case, you'd be like, great, I just gave you the cash value of the car. Maybe a little bit less yeah, or whatever. I guess so. Or like they all live in New York. Do they even want cars? Yeah, that's a great question. You know? Beth says she doesn't even have a TV and yet she has a car. Like if you it, don't have a TV, sell that car. <laughs> exactly. Buy I yourself know. Yourself a TV. I know. It's kind of a white elephant gift if you live in Yeah. In Manhattan, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. At least it's a tiny little car, so it wouldn't be hard to park. I wonder if this was sponsored by Miata. I wondered if that was product placement too. Yeah, by Mazda. But, you know, they haven't done any product placement, I don't feel like, in this show at all. Like, they even purposefully cover up labels and turn things in the background all the time so they don't have products. Hmm. Another thing I wondered is, how did they all not notice six identical cars (laughs) parked next to each other? Like, behind them. If I see two of the same car parked next to each other, I notice them. I'm like, oh, two Jeeps. Is that, is that what you sound like in your own that is That is the sound in my head of me making a dumb observation. Huh. Huh. Well, look at that. The three Volkswagens. <laughs> I didn't need to know that bit of internal dialogue. I think Matthew's interaction with Dave, where he comes up and asks Dave what he got, and Dave says, a sports car, and Matthew says, I got tapes. I think that's one of the saddest Aww. lines on the show so far. His line, I got tapes, is just so <laughs> pathetic. One thing that I wondered as well is, why are they all honking? Oh, <laughs> I would do that. <laughs> would you Come really? on, you they know. They jump into the cars. Oh, yeah. They immediately start honking the horns. <laughs> like, well, that's, that's, like that's what our seven-year-old would they're do. They're signaling to each other, like, hey, hey, we're happy. They're happy beeps. I, I guess, I guess. And they're not, like, laying on it. They're doing, like, beep, 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 beep. No, I know, but... Not honk, honk. Even if I got a car, I would, I would like, get in and be like, oh, that's really nice. And then the people would start beeping and be like, we all got the same car. Why are you beeping? <laughs> in the next scene, uh, Beth is really enthusiastic. Like I said, she says, I don't even own a TV, but I have a car. Uh, Matthew is sitting at his desk listening to his new tapes. <laughs> Uh, Catherine has a really funny line. I'm gonna just sit there listening to all those dopey tapes. So do it again. Brave little soldier, retreating from the pain of reality to his own private world of hollow laughter. Come on. Yeah, Catherine, we all feel badly for him, but there's no need to make it sound like the deer hunter. Have you ever seen The Deer Hunter? No, that was an answer in Knowledge Bowl. Whenever there was a movie question in Knowledge Bowl, we always would guess The Deer Hunter. If oh, we did really? Other oh, yeah, because it would often be uh, an answer yeah. in Knowledge Bowl. Huh. But I've never seen it. Isn't Meryl Streep in that? I think. I think so, too. I mean, the main people who you remember are Christopher Walken. Okay. Young Christopher Walken and then also Robert De Niro. Doesn't that movie have a scene where they play like Russian roulette? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the all that's all I know about that movie. Yep. That's it. 
It's a good movie. It's a rough watch. But. Mm. So everyone suggests that Dave should ask Mr. James for a car for Matthew, and he declines. Um, I just want to <laughs> put another asterisk on that about um, Matthew getting a car, just for a future episode. Uh, listener, you probably know what I'm talking about. Mm. Feeling left out. Matthew apparently didn't even understand that the cacophony that happens when Fibber opens the closet is the junk falling out. So, like, not only does he have these crappy tapes, he barely even understands the, like, full right. art of yes. <laughs> the radio show he's listening to. So they all kind of gingerly approach Matthew and to talk to him about, like, hey, how are you feeling about, like, you got these tapes and we got cars? And that's when they learn that he thinks that they're going to have to give the cars back and he's going to have his tapes for the rest of his life. And I remember the line delivery from Vicki Lewis, from Beth. Matthew, just because Mr. James didn't give you a car doesn't mean he doesn't care about you. Oh, I get it. You guys are jealous. <laughs> Matthew. You are, because you know that I'm going to have these tapes for the rest of my, my life, and, and at the end of the month or whatever, you're going to have to return your cars back to the rental agency <laughs> just i mean it's not crazy because it is ridiculous to think that he would purchase vehicles and yeah. so but yeah i just mean that's how i would i have said that exact thing in that exact tone to a child like yeah when our littlest blows out his diaper i would be like oh buddy uh so matthew gets really huffy when he realizes that in fact everybody else got cars and he got 36 hours of junk falling out of closets. <laughs> I've noticed that this is an episode where there are fewer, longer scenes, and I just think that's way more effective than, like, the previous episode where it's a lot of very short scenes where, like, barely anything happens yeah. in a given scene. On some of these, like, on that last one, like, in that last scene, there was so much going on that uh, it's hard to even talk about it at all. So I, I like this format where there are lo fewer, longer scenes. Dave goes and talks to Mr. James about the fact that uh, everybody got cars except Matthew. Mr. James goes to talk to Matthew to make it right and explains to him that he didn't just give him tapes. He gave him the rights to the show Fibber, McGee, and Molly. So now... But is that really valuable? I mean... I don't... I mean, I guess that's, like, again, thoughtful. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But... Matthew's, like, t-shirts and stuff, and I'm like, I don't think anyone cares. Fibber, McGee, and Pepsi. Right. But I'm glad that it makes him feel better. Yeah. In the next scene, Bill is in the bathroom and the Santa comes out of the bathroom stall and surprises him. Bill turns around and he uses this like weird voice, this weird kind of gravelly voice. I don't know if you caught that, mm -mm. but it doesn't sound like him. I mean, Phil Hartman's amazing in that he can use his voice in so many different ways and use it so uh, precisely and effectively, but he uses this really like, what do you want? Mm -hmm. And it sounds like he's doing, I mean, he was, he was famous for his celebrity impressions on SNL. So it sounds like he's doing an impression of a celebrity. I don't quite recognize. Mm, I have no idea. It's like the first person I thought of would be like Gregory Peck who played, um, Atticus Finch in the movie, but I don't think that's it. So listener, if you know, who he's imitating or doing an impression of or who that voice sounds like, let me know because it's kind of driving me crazy. Maybe he was crazy. just doing a voice. He might have been. 
And maybe I'm completely <laughs> overreading it. That's possible. But honestly, like an expert mimic like Phil Hartman, I think he knows what he's doing. And so I wonder if he's doing that intentionally. Mm. It turns out that Santa is this just this weird dude named Sam Belford, who is a communications major who wants to give Bill his demo tape. So Sam walks out of the bathroom. Bill throws away the tape. But then Sam comes back in and makes a point of thanking Bill for listening to it. And so Bill retrieves it from the trash. At the very end of the episode, Bill is driving home. Uh, he pops in Sam's tape, and it turns out that <laughs> Sam was actually serious, and he cut the brakes. I wonder if the, he cut the brakes in his new Miata, or if this is his oh. existing car that he drove into work. The car he was driving at the end did not, to me, seem like a Miata. I agree, yeah. But I don't know shit about cars. Yeah, so. it didn't look like... Sporty. Sporty. And so you see the fear in Bill's face and he starts to wobble off the road and you realize he can't, he can't uh, break at all. And that's how the episode ends. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I laughed at the end too. Nice. All right. Kayleen, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was good. Above average. Um, Above average hats. Above average episode, Lewis. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I thought I thought it was pretty good. I laughed a few times. Anything that makes me laugh out loud, I consider good. Yeah. So, I'm glad there wasn't any dumb subplots that didn't that felt like filler. There wasn't anything that just felt superfluous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really only the two plots. It was the like gift exchange between Mister James and the staff, and then Santa wanting to kill Bill. Right. Again, I I don't like Matthew continuing to be the butt of jokes. I'm sure that like that's going to be the thing continually but it also just feels like he's got to have someone somewhere Mm -hmm. you know like even when the beginning when he slips on the fucking coins (laughs) like it just feels like a cheap laugh sure like a dumb like it just unnecessary yeah yes but uh yeah i don't want to give anything away and i don't think this will but um I think eventually the teasing of matthew becomes more affectionate and it becomes less like picking on somebody as opposed mm-hmm. to like trading, you right. know, trading jabs. All right, now it's time for. Yo, it's the 90s. All right, what did you catch that was a 90s reference? I only Kaylee? had one. Okay. Uh, something when Catherine says, I hope my car has a CD player. Yep. I remember very much when I got my first car that had a CD player and it was. A big deal. Yes. <laughs> I think most of the cars I owned did not have CD players. Yeah, same. And now my car doesn't, but that's because it's a very new car. I know. And it doesn't have a CD player, it just has Bluetooth. And I actually kind of miss the CD player component. I think I actually, now that you're saying this, I think I had a dream the other night that you bought a CD. And I, no, it wasn't a dream. It's real life. You got those CDs from the library. And I was like, how is Jordan going to play these? Oh, yeah. Because I saw those CDs you got, and then I was like, how is he going to listen to these? Because you said you're going to listen to them in the car. I will be honest, I didn't know that those were going to be in CD format. Oh, what did you think they were going to be in? I thought it was a book. Oh, okay. Sorry. Or I thought it was a book with, like, maybe a CD attached or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Um, Yeah, there were a couple of 90s things. Uh, The other 90s reference would be Mr. James coming in and saying, What up, G? You down with OPP? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't really think of anything 
I mean, are Miatas a 90s thing? I mean... Do they still make Miatas? I have no idea. I don't know. Without doing... Without digging in, I'm not sure. Miatas have been manufactured from 1989 to the present. So apparently they still are making them. Okay, so where are we? So not a lot of 90s references, which means that it is now time for... My game. The game. Now, I made this up very quickly, so... Okay. And I tried to make it harder. Okay. Because I make these too easy for you, and you always do well, and it makes me mad. (laughs) Okay. That's not true. It's okay for you to do well. So in this episode, there is a Santa that wants to kill. So the theme is serial killers in media. Okay. Except for two of the questions that are a little bit curveball. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. Question number one. Jack the Ripper was the inspiration for which silent Hitchcock film? Which silent Hitchcock film? Yeah. Oh, I don't I don't know which of his films were silent. I told you I tried to make these harder because I always think you're not going to know stuff Are, and you always do. You might be drastically overestimating my, uh, overestimating my knowledge of Hitchcock films. Silent films? I don't know your knowledge about most things. I think you don't know stuff and then you do. And then I think you do know things and you don't. I just know the highlights of Hitchcock, Vertigo and Rear Window and North by Northwest and Psycho and none of those are silent. So I don't know the answer. It's called The Lodger. Ooh, that is tough. Good. You didn't get it. I've never seen it. It's clearly a not as well-known Hitchcock film. Question two. In 2004, Charlize Theron won the Academy Award for Best Actress for her portrayal of which female serial killer? Oh, that's such a good question. The movie is Monster. Mm-hmm. And the... <sighs> The character slash real person is Aileen. I'm really close. It's something like Eileen Warnock. Wow, you are so close. Eileen Warnos. Yes. Oh my gosh. You got it. That is what we call Aileen. A I L E E N. But yeah. That's what we call a pull. (laughs) I don't know where I pulled that from, but I got it. That was good. Thanks. That was good. Question three, Georgia Hardstark and Karen Kilgariff co-host what podcast where they recount and discuss true crime stories? That would be my favorite murder. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you knew that one. I mean, I think it's nice of us to shout out a little known podcast like that. I think they, they could use all the traffic that we can I mean, I don't away. know. You don't <laughs> listen to that, I don't think, right? No, but it's it's so hugely popular. It's just a huge podcast. It is. It is very possible, even probable, that there are other huge podcasts that you have never heard of. Just Mm, because. Okay. I don't think so. No, you know them all. Okay. Question number four: What serial killer was the inspiration for Norman Bates in Psycho, 
Leatherface in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Buffalo Bill in the Silence of the Lambs. That's Ed Gein. Very good. See, yeah. you see, I think I make things hard, and you mm. know him. He's from Wisconsin. I know Plainsville. Yeah, Plainsfield. Uh, I was reading a little bit about him. Whoo! Oh, Jordan spooked. I don't. I'm not one of those people who's into serial killers. I find it. I I am a little bit into it. Hmm. A little bit. Sure. Well, for someone who's not into it, you're at three out of four, so. To be fair, one of those is about a podcast. They're a little all over the place. Question number five. Dexter, one of the best known fictional serial killers on television, is played by which actor? He's got, like, one of those really, really boring names. It's like Michael C. Hall. God, yes. You're is that so, right? You're such a butt. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly right. Question number six. The TV miniseries Helter Skelter was about who? Charles Manson. Yep. There's a really great podcast series, You Must Remember This, where they talk about old Hollywood, and one of the things, one of the mini series they did in, in it was about Charles Manson. Hmm. Um, and also, I mean, that's like, that's what's going on in the background of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Quentin Tarantino movie, too. See, like, okay. My brain. <laughs> I know. I don't understand your brain. My brain is full of things. And so empty of other things. <laughs> like where I put my phone. <laughs> okay. Question number seven. Which serial killer was the inspiration for the murderous character Scorpio in the film Dirty Harry? Ooh. Was it the Zodiac Killer? God damn. Well, Scorpio. Come on, Scorpio, Zodiac. But still, like... We watched Zodiac in your parents' basement, do you remember? We watched a lot of stuff in my parents' basement. That's true. All right, question number eight. These titles are all films, documentaries, or TV miniseries about who? The Deliberate Stranger. The Stranger Beside Me. The Riverman. Conversations with a Killer. Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. No Man of God, American Boogeyman. It'd be Ted Bundy. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I only should have listed, like, one. Did you know it after, like, the first one? Um, I feel like there have been two different releases in the past few years about Ted Bundy, and so I recognized the name The Stranger Beside Me. Yeah. And then I also recognized the extremely vile one. Yes, I have so, not watched either of them, but I think I've seen them recommended to me on Netflix. There have been nine documentaries, mm. miniseries, films about Ted Bundy. Yeah. Two of them have been in the last year and a half. Mm. And four of them have been in the last three years. Wow. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Some people feel like it's almost like glamorizing him because he was so good looking and charming. And they like to really pull that string of the story yes. to be like, Yeah. All right, the last two are my curveballs. All right. We'll see. They're not necessarily hard, but they're not exactly serial killer questions. Okay, so I'm pointing, I'm calling my hit. I'm pointing into the middle of the outfield. We'll see what we get. Yep. All right, question number nine. The Scream mask is known by what other name? Ghostface. Yes! How did you know that? I don't know. How do you know this stuff? (laughs) Question ten. You better get this one. This is Kayleen's all-time favorite serial killer. 
How do you not know this? <laughs> you know it. You're just blessing with me. That would be Hannibal the Cannibal Lecter. Damn it. <sighs> Jordan, you got nine out of ten Did I really? on serial killers. <laughs> For the guy who says, well, I don't really like serial killers that much. I mean, those were not easy questions. Listeners, tell us if those were easy questions. Those, those, none of those felt like crazy hard to me. The first, the Eileen Warnos, that was hard. The to, Lodger. The Lodger was very hard. Yeah. Yeah. I would have only known one, maybe two. Uh, I think I know my own favorite serial killer, three. I would have already only gotten four of those, four or five. Okay. And I like serial killers. I've got a brain. Kind for, of. I've got a brain for facts. I know you. I do. just do. I know. I like that game. Thanks. It was Great. fun. Great. All right. So now is the point in the episode where we rate. Do we rate first or do we recommend first? What do you prefer? I don't care. I mean, do you have a preference? I don't have a recommendation. All right. I guess I have a recommendation. I just came up with something. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> All right, now is the point in the episode where we recommend. Kayleen, would you like to go first? Sure. Okay, so here's my recommendation. It is wintertime, and our skin gets dry in the winter. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we use more like lotion or sugar scrubs or things like that in the winter to keep our skin hydrated. Mm -hmm. Pro tip, make your own sugar scrub. It is the easiest thing to do. It is really inexpensive. And it exfoliates your skin. It leaves it super soft. It can leave it smelling really nice. And it's really effective in the winter. And here's how you do it. Take a food processor or just a bowl. Take some white sugar. Throw in some oil of some kind. The last time I made it, I used coconut oil that was melted. But I've used uh, sunflower oil for this before. You can use like grapeseed oil. Basically, you just want an oil that doesn't have a lot of scent. You could even use olive oil, but that has a bit of a smell, right? You stir it up so it's just kind of like the consistency of wet sand, and then you put in some essential oil to make it smell nice. It's like I did one recently that had peppermint oil. I've done orange, like um, blood orange, so it smells like citrus. Mm. I've done eucalyptus and tea tree. I mean, if you have essential oils around, like you can make blends or whatever. And I found vitamin E oil just because I thought I'd add that in as well. And you just stir it up, put it in a little mason jar and put it in your shower. And then you take a shower, you just exfoliate your skin with a little handful of sugar scrub. And sugar scrub, you probably don't know this, is stupidly expensive if you go to the store. Mm -hmm. Like one little jar of it could be like eight or nine dollars. Mm -hmm. And you're paying for stuff that you have in your kitchen right mm -hmm. now. I know that you've made these as Christmas presents the past yeah. few years. Yeah, I I make it for myself every now and then, especially again in the winter when like your skin gets so dry and or if you're somebody who shaves your legs, it's nice to like exfoliate and use sugar scrub afterward. But just today I was talking to one of my friends and I was like, hey, have you used it? And she said to me that, yes, she has. And she really likes it. And her kids use it, too. <laughs> it's like in the shower and they're curious about it. Sure. And so like they rub it on their skin and it makes it smell good. Huh. And the nice thing, too, is like you literally could eat it. Yeah, it's there's nothing toxic in it. There's nothing sugar and oil. It probably wouldn't taste real good. But do you have you know. a favorite like recipe or directions or do you literally just wing it every time? I wing it every time. Mm. But I mean, I kind of cook like that, too. I don't really like weighing things out and measuring. But I mean, like... Do you have a base recipe that, like, you started from? Like, the first time you did it, you did this yeah, one Yeah, I tend to do it more 
based on the t- consistency of that I like. Some people like it really like oily. Mm. I like it more like if you th- like when you pick up a handful of damp sand and it like just kind of crumbles and falls apart in your hand. I like that type of texture. I don't want my hand to reach in and like it's actually goopy. Sure. But that's a matter of my own preference. The last time I made it, I used a food processor, which was nice because it just mixed it really fast. And I made a lot at once. And mm-hmm. then I made it pint jars of it for like nine of my friends. Yeah. And I made different scents and they all really liked it. Mm-hmm. And so maybe nobody cares about this. But to me, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I could buy this or I can just make it myself. And it's actually just as good, if not better. It's one of those things, right, that really impresses people. I mean, I guess so. It looks like, it. yeah, it looks like I did all this work <laughs> right, or something. Right. Or like it's expensive. And I'm like, I went to the grocery store and bought two pounds of sugar. I bought a big bottle of coconut oil. I guess that was like eight or nine dollars. And I melted it um, under hot water. So there you go. Make your own sugar scrub. Don't use it on your face, probably. Use it on your arms and legs. Huh. Great. My recommendation this week is for a brand of pen. Micron. Uh, Those are the best pens. It's very similar to a Micron, but I like Statler. I was going to say, or is it a Statler? Yep. So I like to and try to do bullet journaling, which is just where mm-hmm. I I specifically use it for writing down things that happened during the day. I especially like to make little notes about like, our kid did this for the first time today or whatever. Or like, hey, I changed the air filters. And then like, you know, four months later when I need to go back and look like, wait, when was the last time I changed the air filters? Then I can go back and Mm -hmm. see it. But I'm also neurotic and a little bit obsessive compulsive and I like to have it really neat. And so I like to have really fine tipped pens. And I have found that the best ones are this German brand called Statler. You can get just plain black fine-tipped pens, like, for three or four or five bucks on Amazon. I also got, a, like, a rainbow pack of 0.3 millimeter pens. I believe you can find these at Target. Can you really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think so. That's probably better, but I've gotten them via Amazon, and I just really like them. They're, they write very cleanly. I've been doing a project where I have to write a lot by hand and write very neatly, uh, and that's what I've been using is these Statler very fine-tipped pens. Yeah, you can buy the 40-pack for $40 at Target. Nice. Cool. So that's my recommendation. Couple of homebodies. Pens and sugar scrub. Mm-hmm. All right. Now is the point in the show where we rate Kayleen on a scale from one to five Miatas. <laughs> what would you give this episode? I'm going to give it four green Miatas. None of them were green. I was kind of bummed about that. Hmm. I am going to give it a 4.2. Mm-hmm. Really like it. Very funny stuff. Uh, it's not the last Christmas episode we'll see from News Radio, uh, so I'm sure we'll compare this one to the other ones when we see them. But yeah, okay, 4 and 4.2. It's our highest ratings so far, I think. Yeah, those are really high. Mm-hmm. For next time, we'll be talking about Season 2, Episode 11, entitled Station Sale. Hmm. They're selling the station. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess I predicted this. Mm-hmm. You did. Very smart. Yeah. Married a smart lady. Any predictions about what's going to happen in station sale? They're going to think it's for sale, and then it won't be. All right. That's all from us this week. For WKJP News Radio, this is Jordan. And Kayleen. Signing off.
The theme music for WKJP News Radio is the song You Say But You Don't Know by the band Troubles Afoot. You can check them out on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, or wherever you find new music. Special thanks to Uncle Keith for our use of equipment and technical support. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at WKJPPod on Twitter or Instagram. You can also email us at WKJPPod at gmail.com. If you like our show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts to help us find other listeners like you. Thanks so much for listening.